Hello, folks, and welcome to episode number 12 of the Film Ruminations podcast. I am your host, Jason. I did not say that in the last episode. I'm sorry, just a stranger in your ear. I am here this week with another Warner Archive Collection roundup. I have a stack of their most recent releases, and I wanted to go ahead and just kind of give you a big old shot of Warner Archive Collection. First up from them, I have a trilogy here of Tarzan movies that they very recently released. The first one is Tarzan's Greatest Adventure. Scott appeared in the films Tarzan's Greatest Adventure and Tarzan the Magnificent in 1959 and 1960. Two of the best movies in the history of the Tarzan series. first time actually filmed on location in the mysterious majestic and romantic splendor of the peril-laden wilderness of Kenya the screen comes alive with all the pulsating thrills and exciting characters created by fiction's foremost author of African adventure Edgar Rice Burroughs therefore what are we to be afraid of oh, listen Craig here no one's afraid but don't delude yourself because we're 41. Tarzan won't come in at the front door, you know. He'll just wait down there and pick us up one by one if we're fools enough to give him the chance. Suspense more spectacular than King Solomon's mind. more powerful than the African Queen. Action more daring than Trader Horn. survival of the fiercest a driven man ape hunts his human prey the mighty lord of the apes played by gordon scott is on a deadly trail he is determined to find diamond hunters including anthony quayle and sean connery who brought terror and death to a peaceful village but as much as tarzan is a tracker and avenger he's also a protector an irresistible gadfly from the so-called civilized world intrudes on his quest, and Tarzan knows he cannot leave her to fend for herself. Tarzan's Greatest Adventure is a widely applauded as one of the best and most grown-up films in the entire film annals of the Jungle Lord's exploits. It's a superior action yarn shot on location in Africa, more adult than most of its predecessors. Tarzan has a much expanded vocabulary. That's from Leonard Maltin's movie guide. The only special feature on this is a trailer, but it does have Sean Connery. Now, just as a little bit of a heads up, 
the film opens with blackface. So, just so you know, walking through the door, that there's already something that is just gonna probably tweak you in the wrong way uh, until you learn that, and this is just being generous, that they're only in blackface because they're pretending to be natives or they steal some dynamite. They're, it's very uh, firm proof that they're bad guys. They come in there and they murder, they steal some dynamite just to get some, some diamonds, and the, the main uh, diamond thief gets a, a strange attraction to uh, hunt and, I assume, murder Tarzan, who is no longer your stereotypical ape man. He's just a, a handsome, athletic hunk, I'll be honest with you. Uh, it's it's a very very pretty movie. It's actors, it's actresses, it's locations. It does look glorious. The restoration on this is is it's quite fine. It's it's got uh, some some grainy shots. There's some uh, rear projection that's kind of obvious. But it's uh, blackface aside, it is a, call it a fairly interesting and entertaining action adventure Saturday afternoon movie. And that's Tarzan's Greatest Adventure. Next up on this list, we have uh, Tarzan Goes to India. Look. Look. And look again. Filling the giant cinemascope screen with action. Adventure. Greatest jungle picture of all time. Those elephants aren't going to drown. I'm going to drive them through the pass. Let's get one thing straight right now. I'm building a wall across that pass. I'm not holding up my work for you or your elephants. Stay out of my way. Tarzan goes to India in the greatest jungle picture of all time. A cast of 5,000. Three hundred elephants led by a rogue elephant. Mahoney, one of the greatest stuntmen in all Hollywood history, as the greatest Tarzan of them all. And from the Indian jungle, from across the world to win your hearts, Jai the Elephant Boy. Why you wear such clothes like me? Because I live in a jungle, just like you. You, you British doctor? My name is Tarzan. My name is Jai. And Gajendra, king of the elephants. Tarzan goes to India. Also stars Simi as the beautiful princess Kamara, Mark Dana, Leo Gordon. And for the first time on the screen, Akada, 
the roundup of the last great herd of wild elephants in all India. Photographed as it was happening in the greatest jungle picture of all time, Tarzan goes to India. Look! Look! Look again! And this is only the trailer. New Tarzan, new jungle, new adventure. No need to land a plane when Tarzan flies to India. Just fly over an inland lake and the loin-clothed hero will leap into the blue depths. Jack Mahoney, with two years earlier portrayed Tarzan's foe in Tarzan the Magnificent, makes his splashy debut as Tarzan in a tale about the ape-man's rescue of elephants who will be doomed when a newly built dam unleashes its waters. John Gullerman, uh, Tarzan's Greatest Adventure and the Towering Inferno directs, combining a colorful subcontinent locales with battles large and thunderous, massive bull elephants, small and fierce cobra versus mongoose, cunning and treacherous Tarzan against human foes. No matter where the jungle, there is but one jungle lord. Okay, first off, similar to the idea of the blackface, this does have some animal-on-animal animal violence, and I know that that's going to be an immediate turnoff for some folks, and I did not care for it. I just looked past that and did something else while that was on screen. I would not go into this expecting very much, because it does not come out giving very much. Much like Tarzan's Greatest Adventures, it does have a fun action-adventure uh, hero movie. Uh, it's also fairly predictable, and I, I, I guess you kind of know that going into it, but it's okay. It's not great. I would not uh, highly recommend it. Um, I will say that uh, there are there is not even a trailer for this one on the disc. I will also say, just as a heads up, it could be my copy. I don't know for sure, but I did have a few problems getting this to read the first time in my Blu-ray player. The final of our Tarzan films is Tarzan's Three Challenges. The sun rose high on this distant land the day a boy was to be crowned a king. When suddenly, the history of a thousand years was shattered by the words, I challenge! I challenge! On what grounds? I invoke the challenge of the fourth test. The challenge of might? But this challenge has not been invoked for a thousand years. Are you aware what this will mean? I am aware. Into this background, into the strange and magnificent East, MGM traveled its color cameras, its special scope lenses, its award-winning technical crews to bring you an extraordinary adventure story. Into the interior of the Rudyard Kipling country, where East is East and West is West. But there is neither east nor west, border nor breed nor birth, when two strong men stand face to face, though they come from the ends of the earth.
high, bright sun. This is the Tarzan picture that challenges the mighty big ones. Starring Jack Mahoney as the tall stranger from Africa. And Woody Strode, the matchless warrior of the Orient, in a challenge where there were no rules, except that one must live and one must die. This is the adventure story of a challenge, a boy and a baby elephant. You'll be awed by the challenge. Charmed with a boy. You see? No, Ben. And you'll laugh at Hungry, the most wonderful elephant you've ever seen. Here are scenes of surpassing splendor of danger and suspense, such as you may never see again. Come out now, or your friends will be killed. Daddy, don't listen to him! Kashi, Kashi, Kashi! Here are the giant caves of Pechaburi, the great floating market of Bangkok, the temple of Budabat, magnificent shrine of the East, The 1,000 exotic and beautiful dancers of Chiang Mai. The wild and flaming jungles of Lom Tong. Hey! Can the ape man triumph over Thailand's jungle peril? No stranger from Africa can turn the course of our destiny. But never underestimate a stranger named Tarzan by Jock Mahoney. Over miles of obstacles, he will lead a young heir to Thailand's spiritual throne to his ordination and undo warlord Khan, played by Woody Strode, and his plot to secure the title for his son. First, however, the ape man must prove to be the heir that he is Tarzan, by passing tests of skill, strength, and wisdom. Ahead lies a still greater challenge, Tarzan versus Khan. In a bungee-jumping, sword-clanging, flame-dancing death duel, this is the second and last of Mahoney's Tarzans, filmed to a colorful effect in Thailand was not without real-life challenges. Illness caused Mahoney to lose 40 pounds from his taut athletic frame, and that's where the box ends. What I would also add, it's it's awfully racist. Just <sighs> okay. Let's. As soon as I realized that the film was going to be set in Asia, I became nervous. I Hollywood has, for a very very long time, had a problem with hiring Asians to play Asians, and this is no different. I couldn't even. I did not even want to watch this movie. It could be the finest picture ever created. It's not, but it could have been. I would not know that because I couldn't get past about 20 minutes into it. 
before I realized it was A, going to be rehashing, because it's a Tarzan movie, you expect the same thing every time. But it was also just the, the, the whitewashing. I understand that the film was made many, many years ago when it was still acceptable, but I don't see what value the Warner Archive collection could have seen in releasing this one. If you're a completionist of Tarzan films, it looks good that they did a, a fine job transferring it. There is only a trailer, so you're not going to get any insight into it. But there you have it, uh, Tarzan's Three Challenges. Okay, before I start talking about our next film, I want you to know that in, in about five minutes, things are going to start to turn around and get positive. However, first I have to talk about Year of the Dragon. commander of the 5th Precinct and the most decorated cop in New York City, has declared war on Chinatown. I got a complaint about you already. Today there were 43 gang arrests, three gambling parlors raided, six sweatshops busted. You're only meant to shake up the gang kids. And now, an opening blow at the man who's been called the godfather of Chinatown, Joey Tai. Mr. Tai, can you tell us if there is such a thing as the Chinese Mafia? Mr. Tai, what is your comment? Mr. Tai, do you have any comment? Let me make this real clear to you right here and there. Joey Tai goes to the mayor, the mayor goes to me, and the word is lay off. You think gambling, extortion, corruption are kosher? We're Chinese mafia. The investigation's in your mind. These people are the biggest importers of heroin in this country. The point here is you cease and desist. Nobody wants to win this thing, do you? You don't like it? Resign. Maybe everybody's right. I'm chasing something that doesn't exist. This is not the Bronx or Brooklyn. It's not even New York. It's Chinatown, right? can be very easy or it can be very hard. You care too much, Stanley. How can anybody care too much? This is a Michael Camino film. It was written by Oliver Stone. So going into it, I had hopes. I am a fan of Oliver Stone's work. I have not seen a Michael Camino film that I've cared for. This will be the second one that I've seen. And I knew going into it, reading a little bit online ahead of time, that, you know what, let me read it back here. Rex Reed from the New York Post writes, Exciting, explosive, daring, and adventurous stuff. Corruption, extortion, sometimes even assassination. From the tradition-bound mob bosses of Manhattan's Chinatown, there are age-old ways of running things. And now, there's police captain Stanley White's way. Mickey Rourke portrays White, a war veteran who has a Vietnam-sized chip on his shoulder when dealing with the emerging blood feud in Chinatown. John Lone plays the crime lord standing as the line of fire of White's relentless campaign. An Academy Awarding director... Michael Camino from The Deer Hunter and Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, uh, working from a screenplay based on a novel by Robert Daly and co-scripted by Oliver Stone, 
fills the screen with adrenaline rushes and action and excitement. I have not watched Deer Hunter. That's the I I hope that I can watch that and really get on something. I, um, Heaven's Gate is the film uh, that I had seen. I also didn't care for. I appreciated it, but. I didn't care for it. I did not really appreciate Year of the Dragon. Wikipedia is quick to point out that Mickey Rourke plays a racist cop. It doesn't really go too deep into that. It's awfully clear that he does not care for Asian people, uh, even though he somehow gets a job in Chinatown, uh, which it seems like a bad move by the police force to put a, a person with a uh, emotional vendetta uh, against Asian citizens in charge of Chinatown. What I can tell you is it wasn't bad. The The writing was, was very, uh, it's a very high quality script. And again, Oliver Stone, I expect nothing less. Um, and it was filmed well, but it was, I want to say it was so poorly edited. I'm not going to say that the actual physical cut was bad i'm going to say like the editing when it comes to pacing and and length was bad the movie it felt like i was at about hour six when i found out that i was actually at 90 minutes it just seemed to go on and on and on the movie got resurrected by quentin tarantino and it does have a, a very fine train sequence at the end but getting there is a slog I can't imagine revisiting this. I know that by saying Quentin Tarantino, somebody out there that is listening to this is going to buy this and think that they're going to learn, uh, like it's the Rosetta Stone, something special and deep about uh, the director. Uh, I didn't, but you might. That is Year of the Dragon. Now, as I had suggested, we are going to move forward with some very fine films. First up is a film called The Prize. What was your first reaction when you received the news of your Nobel Prize? Uh, no reaction at all. I was dead drunk at the time. Swedish Foreign Ministry, assigned to you for your stay here in Stockholm. Hello. Hello. Uh, I have a car waiting outside. Will you follow me, please? Excuse me. Things are looking up, and I didn't want to come to Stockholm. This is not on the Nobel schedule, Mr. Craig. I think you should be prepared to make unscheduled flights, Miss Anderson. Yours is not the only unscheduled flight, Mr. Craig. The Prize makes many unscheduled flights into the maze of conflict and intrigue that lurks behind the private lives of each of the winners. The winner for literature. Which one has the body in it? A genius with a curious affinity for trouble. The most exciting star role of Paul Newman's meteoric career. Will there be anything else tonight, sir? I hope so. And who's that breathtaking blonde? It couldn't be anyone else than seductive new star, Elka Sommer. I've been beside myself all night. I wish I could be beside yourself all night. For every blonde, there must be a brunette. How old are you? Why? I don't know. I mean, most of the girls in this place are... You look as though you ought to be in bed. I accept. 
Diane Baker is the brunette whose beauty is at bewildering variance with her sinister behavior. The winner for physics, Edward G. Robinson, is the refugee scientist caught in the struggle between East and West. And then we all disappear out behind the Iron Curtain on this, on this rowboat, and nobody will ever know the truth. The winner for chemistry, the French husband and wife research team whose marriage is just about finished. Oh, hello, Claude. Now, may I have my dressing gown back? And my wife, perhaps. I have nothing on underneath. He's not kidding. He just came from a nudist convention. One of the most controversial and widely discussed scenes in movie history. I'm being followed by two men who are trying to kill me. No. Yes, someone is trying to kill you, Mr. Craig. There's just time for another kiss. And another martini. And then you'd better do something about it. And do something he does. In a fury of excitement, suspense, and terror, heightened by never-ending villainies in which the scientists themselves are the prize. From the screenwriter of North by Northwest, a colorful caper starring Paul Newman. Top writers, scientists, and leaders converge annually in Stockholm to take part in the awarding of the prestigious Nobel Prize. This year, however, some honorees will find a great event eclipsed by a greater challenge, staying alive. Paul Newman is up to his famed baby blues in danger and intrigue as Andrew Craig, a hard-drinking author and Nobel winner for literature. At first dismissive of his war award, and only interested in the cash uh, that it brings. Craig finds his writerly instincts and wit sharpened when he senses the physics prize winner, played by Edward G. Robinson, is an imposter. He sets out to expose the hoax, free-falling into a Cold War ploy on secrets, pursuits, uh, subterfuge, and assassins adapted for the screen from Irving Wallace's bestseller with spice and wit, by Ernest Lehman, who wrote North by Northwest and The Sweet Smell of Success, and it is directed by Mark Robson. Uh, it, unfortunately, only has a trailer on here. Now, if it says Paul Newman on the front, I'm ready for it. Uh, not all of his movies are uh, top dog, but this one just, it, it, was, it hit me on my sweet spot. Uh, and then when you add in uh, Edward G. Robinson, I was, so it's one I don't, wouldn't want to pass up. It's also one that I had never heard of before. Paul Newman, as the, as the back suggests, is a writer who wrote a book on the level of a Nobel Prize, but he also has a problem with uh, keeping pace. He had talked about a follow-up piece of literature that he was working on, and it was all a big lie that he used just to get people uh, off his back. What he's actually been doing to pay the bills is just writing cheap detective novels. And as soon as he says this during an interview, the, the fine Swedish gentleman in charge of the ceremonies shuts the interview down because he doesn't want this uh, bastion of literary excellence to be talking about how he's just writing tawdry detective novels. And then he becomes the detective because he meets Edward G. Robinson playing the physicist at the beginning of the film. And then the next day he meets Edward G. Robinson, who had never seen him before in his life. And he realizes right then and there that something is amiss and he, he cannot sleep until he figures it out. Uh, the film's got some really 
high quality action. The performances are excellent. I would mark this, this one pretty high uh, on your list that you should definitely want to check this one out. It's called The Prize. It just uh, probably came out about a month ago. Next up, we have a movie that I wanted to watch a long time ago that I never got around to, and it's called Judgment Night. Nobody is taking dates. It's a bunch of guys going to a boxing match. That's it. Why are you looking at me like that? Because I know your friends. <laughs> they have the hormones of high school kids. I'll be home early, okay? Promise. <laughs> How do you say, fight fans? A night out on the town. A heavy traffic jam. Say something, I'm not gonna miss this fight. And one wrong turn. We've circled this block about 300 times. Yeah, enough for this scenic round. Ah! What the hell was that? Ah! He's been shot. They're coming after me. You gotta get me out of here. Ah! We can't just sit here, kid. Come on. They got guns, John. You broke rule number one. Do not steal from me. Oh, boys, rule number two, no witnesses. Come on! Oh, let's go, go, go! Where the hell are we? What are we going to do? What do you think of the neighborhood? Ah! The cops are going to be here any second. The cops are not coming. What's up? You punks crazy or something, man? Chill out, man. We're just looking for some citizens. Don't move. Don't whisper. Don't even breathe. These guys don't give up. Oh, Frank, is this your wife, huh? I get a wife and a little girl, and I will get back to them tonight. Let's show these punks what we got. You better believe it. You're just another victim. You're just another victim, kid. Hey! You're just another victim. You're just another victim, kid. Emilio Estevez, Cuba Gooding Jr., Dennis Leary. No, Frank, after I kill you, I think I'm going to pay a little visit on that wife of yours. Judgment Night. You coming? A 90s cult action hit returns. Noted producer-director Stephen Hopkins navigates the harrowing journey of four suburban men into the nightmarish neighborhoods of Chicago's crime-infested underworld. When four young men, played by Emilio Estevez, Cuba Gooding Jr., Stephen Dorff, and Jeremy Piven, take a wrong turn on their way to a boxing match in a state-of-the-art RV, they witness a murder. Now the killer's leader, played by Dennis Leary, cannot let them live, and the four must find their way to safety while being hunted through Chicago's meanest streets with a powerhouse cast. This edge-of-your-seat thriller takes viewers on a life-and-death road trip into terror. The The poster that I had seen uh, when I was much, much younger uh, had Emilio Estevez and Cuba Gooding Jr., and I was a fan of Dennis Leary, and I don't know why I never actually watched this movie before. It is the exact kind of movie that was made for me. And it's looking back at it today, uh, I, we're kind of lucky that it achieved some level of cult status. It might be uh, re-elevated and re-released today. I gotta tell you, though, that it's very clearly a 90s movie. It kind of plays off of the... Like the there's a little bit of like a Rodney King sort of feeling in the city. Um, the cops aren't on your side, and it's uh, it's just fairly the characters are all kind of a stereotype. Emilio Estevez is the new married father. Jeremy Piven is the wealthy businessman. Uh, Stephen Dorff is Emilio Estevez's uh, slacker brother, 
and Cuba Gooding Jr. is the black guy. He has uh, enough success to get him into the suburbs, but there's still an, an air given to his character that it just it feels old. Uh, not bad, just old. And uh, Dennis Leary, I guess, makes a believable crime boss. He, if, if a young person is listening and a young person wants to watch this, you might want to pass. It's probably not going to sit right. But for other people, this is a fun way to spend uh, a, a Friday night. And that, that is Judgment Night. Next up on our list, we have a film that I never, ever would have assumed would be released by the Warner Archive Collection. Up until right now, uh, in my memory, I don't know of a more modern film seeing release in the archive collection and i know i i might be leading some mystery here that might be a little undeserved but it is ben stiller and owen wilson in starsky and hutch how you doing captain i believe you two know each other hey, why don't you do me a favor and go get yourself another perm and let the grown-ups talk for your information my hair is naturally curly no it's not touch it why are you touching him? I said, Detective David Starsky did everything by the book. I said freeze! Detective Ken Hutchinson never even read it. You're late. I've been here since 8. 8 o'clock? I didn't even know this place opened today. But now, they'll face their biggest problem yet. You two deserve each other. Your partners. Whoa! You coming? This spring, two legendary cops are teaming up. Hey, look what the wind blew in. To take on the ultimate bad guy. It costs money. Planes, they cost money. This yacht, my kids' braces, it all costs money. Do you think Kitty's free? What? I like your Lincoln. It's a 76. Won't be out till next year. But I know some people that know some people that rob some people. I like your style. I like your moves. Let me ask you something. Which one do you like? Because we're going to stick to this. Well, I've always had a thing for blondes. Because I'll take anything. Got some questions for you. Look, I like you guys, okay? Especially you. Let me see your belly button. No. Just show a little skinny. <laughs> oh, Eureka. <sighs> That's nice. This grass is Alabama creeping bend. You know a lot about golf. I know even more about grass. Goodbye, heroes! Hang on. Darski. Starsky and Hutch. This is a bad man. And this is what bad men do. A pony! Happy birthday, baby. I love you. Hey there, little fella. You okay? Here comes the fuzz. Starsky takes the wheel, Hutch rides shotgun, and comedy runs wild in this hilarious twist on a landmark buddy cop TV show. Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson bring a playful chemistry to the roles of undercover detectives Starsky and Hutch. Todd Phillips from the Hangover Trilogy directs this 1970 grooves in which our guys are stripped to the badges 
duped by a drug kingpin played by Vince Vaughn, and are totally ripped off in a disco contest. So, yeah, they've got some scores to settle. Snoop Dogg in a fly funkadelic mode as the urban coolster Huggy Bear and Juliette Lewis and others make this up for non-stop fun. If introducing laughter is a crime, then they're all guilty as charged. Long-time visitors to the site are going to know that I love Owen Wilson movies. Um, I have not seen them all. Uh, I kind of just let them come to me as they will. This is a movie that, at the time, I didn't see. Owen Wilson plays Owen Wilson. Ben Stiller plays an edgy Ben Stiller. There was a moment in the early 2000s, for people that might not be aware or have forgotten intentionally or otherwise, in which people in Hollywood thought it would be a fun idea to take serious TV shows, somewhat serious TV shows from the 70s and 80s and make them into modern comedies. And it was a very short-lived tradition, and I imagine you could understand why. This is a fun movie. I appreciated every moment of it. It's not a great movie, and I don't want you to think that it would ever be added to a uh, like an AFI Top 100 Films list, but it's still a fun movie. I think that it has its place, and it's going to have its fans, and I would tell you right now, I am a fan, and I want people to watch this movie, because, how do I want to say this? It's a well-made piece of comedy. that It did not need to be set in the 70s, it could have been set in the 2000s. Uh, it, that just added a little bit to it. It, it does have uh, several special features, which I'm sure just ports over. Gag rail, deleted scenes, fashion for shizzle, wit huggy bizzle, a last look, making of mockumentary, and a commentary by the director and co-writer Todd Phillips. The last look makes this release... Uh, it is just the the actors talking about how horrible of a time it was. Uh, clearly, uh, if you watch the film and you watch the gag reel and the outtakes, everybody involved did have, uh, uh, apparently had a good time. But it was some of the driest humor that I ever heard come out of Ben Stiller or Owen Wilson's mouth. And it makes this release, it makes it something that if I were to pare down my collection, this would still have a place in it. So that is Starsky and Hutch. Gotta say, I saved the best for last. Our last film is a Blake Edwards film called Wild Rovers. William Holden and Ryan O'Neill are the Wild Rovers. Just a couple of cowboys. They work hard. They play hard. I'm really getting drunk. Congratulations. They fight hard. Thanks, Dave. Don't mention it, Ross. And when the time comes... Jesus, man, don't shoot me! Ain't you ever felt like getting married? Oh, I felt like it a hundred times, but there's a big difference between feeling and doing. Hey, Ross, you busy? What's up? I will nothing right now, so I think I'm gonna go play some poker. I think I'll just stay right here. Well, why the hell should I be any different? Well, because you're... I'm older and wiser and I've learned and I've had experience. Yeah! Hell, Frank. 
You show me a young cowboy or an old cowboy or an in-between cowboy that's got more than a few dollars in his poke, and I'll show you a cowboy who stopped being a cowboy and started robbing banks. Well, then let's you and me rob us a bank. I said the bank's being robbed! A lot of people have their life savings in that bank. Yes, ma'am. Uh, see, I, I can't honestly get too upset about it because I ain't never done nothing like this before. I sure ain't expecting on doing it again, either. If the sheriff has to stop, then you keep right on going and bring those cowboys back, you understand? Dead or alive? Alive, of course. That is, if they give you that choice. William Holden. Plum gentle. <laughs> Ryan O'Neill. Ain't that just like a woman, though? Carl Molden in Wild Rovers. Hey, where are we gonna get us another horse? been a lot of places, done a lot of things, had some good times and a few bad ones. And the only thing they can stick to is each other. Tell you what, we'll draw straws to see who goes in. And who's gonna hold the straws? Well, hell, there are only two straws. You can't cheat. We'll cut cards. And you're gonna shuffle. One of the best Western films of the 1970s uh, by Ted Sennett, uh, the great Hollywood Westerns. Lifelong ranch hands Ross Bodine decides cow punching is no kind of life. So he and a raw cowboy half his age rob a bank to get the cash each needs to improve his lot. An indignant posse is soon in pursuit. Filmmaker Blake Edwards made his name with a Pink Panther and earlier comedies, but he has showed great skill in other genres with the thriller Experiments in Terror and the drama Days of Wine and Roses, and this film in the West. In performances perfectly matching Edward's balance of rowdy comedy and hard scrabble period realism, William Holden and Ryan O'Neill play fugitive saddle bums, with Holden drawing a special praise as he grows older, he grows better, like a great old wine. All of the reverberations from the previous rules are beginning to sound. And that's from Roger Ebert. Uh, this film does have a special feature on the making of the film. This is not a movie that I was familiar with. I am a fan of William Holden and an even bigger fan of Ryan O'Neill. So when I... It doesn't score very high on Rotten Tomatoes or on IMDb, but that doesn't matter because it also had Carl Malden, Tom Skerritt, and Jodon Baker. At its heart, it is a bland heist and two guys just out there trying to survive with oodles of money. Uh, you know, by oodles, I mean a very, very small town bank's vault's worth of money. But to them, it was more than they could have ever imagined. And they're trying to make their way to Mexico. Tom Skerritt and Jodon Baker are the sons of the ranch owner where Ryan O'Neill and William Holden worked. And they vowed to their father that no matter what happened, they would catch the two thieves. And at the start, I was not sure how I was going to feel about it. You know, again, cast alone, I'm in. I was ready for it no matter what direction it took. At first, I kind of thought, you know, as a... I'm a Blake Edwards fan from the Pink Panther films. And, you know, you have an idea of what a director can do. I'm not very familiar with his other work. But I've seen a handful here and there. So I had an expectation of, like, a Western comedy. And uh, if you've been around the site, you know I'm not a humongous Western fan. 
I can enjoy them. Uh, the film looks great. The, it was shot spectacularly. Um, the visuals will draw you in and keep you in, but the performances is uh, really where it's at. William Holden and Ryan O'Neill just from start to finish are perfect. I'm saddened that I'm not familiar with this film, and I'm saddened that other people may not be. And that's why I am so, so grateful to, to, to labels like the Warner Archive. In this episode, I've kind of dogged on some of the releases, and it's important for me to, to kind of use that to illustrate when they really get one right. It, it kind of just completely separates them from the, the, the other releases that they also put out. Every release that they put out has a home somewhere. Somebody wants it. And sometimes they put out a film that is just, man, I just want to say love. The, the, the male relationship between O'Neill and Holden, it's, again, they're bank robbers, so, you know, they're not really great role models. But just to see these two men being able to connect on, on a level that we don't talk about enough is, is, a, is a wonderful example. And uh, Wild, Wild Rovers, uh, you haven't heard of it, that's understandable. You're hearing about it now, you really need to pick this up. You, you definitely, I, I really want you to put this on your list. So, and there you have it, folks. It's another Warner Archive Roundup. Once again, from the top, we have Tarzan's Greatest Adventure. Consider picking this one up. It's not bad. Next, we have Tarzan Goes to India, if you want to. Next, we have Tarzan's Three Challenges. Maybe hard pass on that one. Next is Year of the Dragon, a movie. Again, it was important to Quentin Tarantino, so it might be important to you. There's uncomfortable racism. There's uncomfortable sexual situations. That's a pass from me. Next up, we had The Prize with Paul Newman, and that movie is just wonderful, and it's worth uh, every penny. And next up, we have Judgment Night, a, a fine film for the right audience. Starsky and Hutch, right audience, right film. Last, Wild Rovers for everybody. I think that you show this, if you're a father, show this to your son. But just to, to be able to see a, a father figure and a son figure and their relationship as adults. So of these, uh, my definites, Wild Rovers and the prize, my probabilities, Judgment Night and Starsky and Hutch. I really appreciate everybody that's listening right now. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I hope that you're having great year so far and I, I hope that it uh, continues to bring you some hope and some joy so again this is Jason this is the Film Ruminations podcast episode 12 and thank you very much